I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello, and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. All right, everybody, I'm stoked to do this episode. It's going to be three parts. The first thing that I'm going to talk about is a little bit of an addendum, if you will, to the communication skills episode. In addition, I'm going to answer a question about coaching that I'm asked frequently and a few other listener questions that I've gotten over the past few months. So I did the episode on communication skills and I got so much positive feedback and also questions and some concerns. And so what I wanted to do today is just talk about how the communication catch would work for the person with BPD or CPTSD, like emotion regulation struggles when the ball is thrown to them. So something that came up um, over the past week in terms of communication skills is from the partner. So individuals who have partners who are struggling with the diagnosis will say something like, I do care about you. And Their question is, how do I do this in such a way? Like, how do I speak this in such a way that it will get my person that I love with BPD to actually hear what I'm saying and then to believe the thing that I'm saying? So my point in making this addendum today is to help the people with BPD out there in relationships understand that when you communicate with someone, just like I had said before, you want to take that ball and you want to throw it at their chest, right? Not too short at their feet in front of them, not over their head, not to the side, right to their chest to give them that best opportunity to catch the ball. Well, this also applies to when the ball is thrown to you. So you, that other person that you're in a relationship with, we have to assume that they are going to throw the ball to your chest. And so if they're, if they try to do that and you just move aside, right? So your partner tosses you the ball and you just step aside. Well, you're not helping the communication in the relationship, right? I mean, clearly, because you stepped aside, the ball goes behind you, and then maybe you can say to the person who threw you the ball, see, look what you did. How am I supposed to catch that? All the while, the person who threw you the ball is like, what are you talking about? I just did this thing, and I threw it to your chest, but you moved out of the way, so how is that my fault, right? But that's never said, because the person with BPD will deny the fact that they sidestepped the ball. So let's use a real-life conversation in the event that the metaphor isn't making as much sense to you as it is to me. Okay, so... You know, what I'm meaning to say is is if the person that you love says to you, I love you, I want to do anything I can today to help you, right? And you value your intensity over the person you love in that moment, you are side-swiping, side-stepping, excuse me, them throwing you the ball meaning you're not actually hearing them. And if you do hear them, you're not paying attention to the thing that they say, staying in the moment and honoring their character. Because what's likely to happen 
is your intensity, the intensity that you feel for whatever reason. Maybe they say, I love you, I'll do anything to help you. And you say, no, you wouldn't. You couldn't even take out the trash on Tuesday. How could you ever do anything for me? How could you love me, right? So in that moment, you're valuing your intensity over the words that the person is speaking to you, right? So remember that communication is the thing that holds people together, right? It's the glue that holds relationships together. If you and I can't communicate with each other, and nothing you can say or do is right. And every time we try to interact with each other, you move the goalposts and you change the mission, you switch it up. Remember that when those things occur, communication can no longer exist between two people because that person can never win, right? So when you're working on communication skills, the way that you speak has to be in a way, in such a way that the other person on the receiving end can understand it. And when your loved one speaks to you, whether it be your husband, wife, partner, what have you, loved one, family member, what you want to do is you want to assume that they are going to throw the ball to your chest. I'm going to say that one more time. I want you to assume positive intentions. It takes practice, guys, okay? But I want you to try. So try to, step one, assume they have a positive intention and, they, and that they're going to throw the ball to your chest. Because good communication comes with the person wanting you to have the information in the best, most concise way possible, okay? So when your loved one speaks to you, if you've assumed the best, then you're assuming they're going to say something that they mean, right? And so when they say the thing that they mean, what I want you to do is catch it. And in order to catch it, you have to maintain eye contact with this person. And you have to actually care more about them, value them over your intensity in the moment in which the interaction occurs, right? It's not something that will come naturally at first to some out there, and that's okay. Because again, you know, we have to train our amygdalas. Our amygdalas are not, are not in charge of us. So... The amygdala, right, is the emotion center of our brain. We have an overactive amygdala, they say, people with BPD. So our goal, again, is to train our amygdalas, not to let our amygdalas train us or take control. So if you maintain eye contact and you assume the person is going to say the thing they need to say in the best way, that they can so that you can catch it, you have to stand there and catch it. Look them in the eye, acknowledge what they've said, tell your amygdala that it's okay. You can pay attention to what they're saying. You don't have to go on attack. And if there's a need for you to attack or to defend yourself or to have an emotion, that you will get there, that you don't have to anticipate it, right? And then I want you to repeat back 
what that person said, reflect it back to them so that you can ensure that you're maintaining a level of accountability within yourself. Like, yeah, I paid attention to you. You said blah, 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 right? So it's, an, it's incredibly important that you reflect upon this detail and communication because I noticed that many people, especially in an episode or even in some of the sessions I have, I, I've done this before and I've you know, absolutely been on the receiving end of this as I'm guiding and coaching my folks. And what I'm saying is that, you know, if, if someone says something to you, like let's say I'm in a session and I, and I say something to one of my clients, right? Oftentimes, if I've said something that triggers, I'll use the word triggers because that's what it would be in this scenario, right? So it's like I pull the trigger and that person, that individual goes immediately 60 because the thing that I said is so true that it's deeply painful. They're at 60. Well, then what I say after the thing that made them upset doesn't sink in. Nothing else sinks in because the person has now sidestepped the ball and wants to focus and value their own intensity over my character, what my mission is, what my goal is for them in our session. And that's okay. I, you know, this is the, one of the most beautiful things about working with people with BPD is the ability to coach them, right? Everybody needs someone to hold out their hand and say, come here, I got you. And so it's so important that when you are in relationship with people, that you choose to begin to walk the path of valuing them and their character over your own self-preservation, your own ego, and your own emotional intensity. It's a hard thing to do, right? But this is part of recovery. You know, it's not fair to say, I want to talk to you, right? I mean, we love words. We love to value words over actions and deeds, right? So, you know, he didn't say I missed me or she didn't say I love you or, you know, she didn't text me at blah, blah, blah time, right? So we value words. And unfortunately, when you value words, you're looking for an expectation to be met that maybe the other person doesn't know about right? And when you value words, you miss a lot of other things because that's one filter, right? It's one filter. So you're valuing specific phrases that you're expecting someone to say, which becomes an unrealistic expectation. And then you start to value in your own intensity over that person just because they didn't say these specific phrases that you're looking for. But when they do say things in their way to you or do things that really show you, hey, I'm here for you. Hey, I've stuck by you. Hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here. That's up to you, the person with borderline personality disorder, to make eye contact with them and to say, you said you're not going anywhere. You said you're not going to leave me. Okay, I get it. You say that you've done, you choose me every day. I do see that you choose me every day. I'll acknowledge that. 
usually the individual with borderline personality disorder, it's not for everyone, will they'll sidestep it and go, okay, you don't. No, you don't. Why'd you throw the ball behind me? Right? It's the same thing. It's silly. So I use these baseball or these uh, ball playing metaphors or examples, analogies, whatever you call it, because I want you to see how silly it is, right? If I'm trying to have a conversation with the person that I don't want to leave or reject me, and my biggest fear is abandonment, then I would want in growth and recovery to speak to them so that they can understand what I'm saying. I wouldn't want to say, you never understand me. You don't understand anything about me and not give them a way out. I want them to have a way out because these are the people that I don't want to abandon me. So I would love them, right? I would love them that much that I would want them to understand me. So I would, I would speak to them and, and then on the receiving end, because this is what I crave, right? I want someone to love me, not to leave me. I would sit there in that space and I would make eye contact with those people. And then I would allow them to speak to me. And even if they were saying things that were true that I wouldn't want to hear, I would be right there with them. That would be my eventual goal in recovery. Because the goal of recovery isn't just identity development and a, you know, a, um, a good life. There are little goals that happen that build up to it, right? And one goal that I have and that I have for my clients is to live life with one structure, one moral compass that, that, builds character that threads through all environments you become a rock right so a rock someone who's strength who has strength of character who's humble and selfless and loving who other people want to be around because they're just so safe in order to be that you have to be able ready willing and able not only to throw your words to your loved one in a way that they can catch it and understand it, honoring them, but to be willing to stand there and catch the words of the person that you love, even if it's not exactly what you would want to hear. So hopefully that's helpful to you guys. I really want you to practice that this week, and I'm going to answer some questions now. I have a loved one that was recently diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. I also have an employee that uh, is diagnosed with the same thing. Now that I'm doing some research, I don't believe that my family member, my one family member, is going to be the only person that suffers from this disorder. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. The only thing that concerns me is the corrective behavior that you do with your husband. Doesn't that redefine your relationship into more of a parent-child relationship instead of equal partner spouses?
This is such an awesome question. It's so honest. Well, thank you for submitting it. And yes, there are many people out there who, you know, are struggling with these behavioral patterns. Sometimes I think that I, you know, limited the audience of the people that have access to this podcast because I said borderline personality disorder. And I have a lot of folks that will call me and, you know, wondering if they have the diagnosis. But I really think there's, you know, a lot of I think a lot of people are struggling with this in society right now, just in general, because of what we've been through. I mean, it's it's been a heavy few years for many, many folks. So, yes, and, and uh, your question is a great one about corrective relationships. So I did ask Jay this question, and, you know, I'm sure he will address it as well in future episodes. Um, but I wanted you to get your question answered. So what his, what he said was he feels like it was a big responsibility for him to be the corrective person in the relationship and even now right like being someone who's strong in character is just a big responsibility but back then when I didn't have a an understanding of character development and and the beginning of our relationship there was definitely a difference in the way each other was able to give to each other in the relationship. Now, being in a corrective relationship doesn't necessarily mean that it shifts from um, partner-partner to a like a father-daughter relationship, right? So the way that I, you know, feel like it was difficult for Jay, let's say, was because he, I took up all of the emotional space in the relationship. So, you know, him being the corrective partner wasn't necessarily him telling me what to do right I mean occasionally he would guide me but remember you know people with borderline personality disorder are typically not coachable so even if he did tell me what to do at the beginning I wasn't exactly listening you know so the the shift of in the relationship is more that the person who you know is on the receiving end like Jay for example has to be very strong in character and I'm telling you Jay is one of the strongest people I've ever met period. And I, you know, the more time that passes, I really, you know, it's solidified for me. He's so free in the way that he lives his life because he's strong and he's capable and he's, he has a high emotional IQ. He's loyal and he's an honorable man, right? He helps other people become honorable. And I, I watch just the, his, his level of self-control and self-discipline and it's very admirable. You know, so it, it's important that the person who's the corrective relationship has those kinds of qualities, right? So for he and I, he had those qualities. So it's not necessarily him parenting me. It's him being willing to allow me to take up all of the emotional space in the relationship with the hope that his encouragement his and his consistency would lead to a better path for the both of us. So there is an imbalance there, right? You you said equal partnership. So if I'm taking up all of this emotional space, then yeah, it's definitely not an equal partnership. You know, so like in any relationship, this one more so, sure. But in any relationship, you you know, the person you choose, you want to encourage them and bolster them and support them. And so if you see hey, this person has capabilities, like they can be loyal, they just need guidance, they just need somebody to consistently show them love. 
then you know you make that choice and you just go with it and that's what jay did you know he fell in love with me and he made the choice to believe that you know to see my capabilities excuse me and to believe in me and then he allowed me that space and was the rock for us during that time and all the while you know he was trying to get me to be the best version of myself so that you know one day i would be an equal partner so at some point in my recovery he was right that i would wake up to this fact and i did and i looked towards him and i you know started making it happen started this podcast right he had done so much for my son and i and he would just you know i i mean it it was just a phenomenal um kind of loyalty and love that i had felt from him when we were living in pennsylvania and i wanted to give back to him because one of the things that he wanted he had moved from the midwest when he was younger um to go out um uh, to go to school in pennsylvania and one of the things that he always wanted was to come back to michigan and so in my journey i you know woke up like i said and i realized i want to give back to him because he's given me so much so it's time for me to step up and for me to do anything in my power to be able to make his dream come true so over time you know the more i learned the more i was able to grow the better able i was to be a good partner for him and i did so the podcast and the business and all of the things that we did it, it opened the door to an opportunity for us to be able to move out here and for him to now be able to write his book and you know talk to people about what he's been through to share his strength so being an equal partner in the relationship is something that comes with a corrective relationship you know but yeah you know all the things that i just said that's a lot of work and responsibility for one person it takes a very special person to do that you know and in return i i'm i'm loyal right and i believe that the people that i work with they're just such beautiful people inside under all that pain and they are so loyal and fun and just i don't know passionate simple beautiful people and you know i'm not stroking my ego and i say that i'm really thinking of my clients you know but when it comes to jay and i i am fiercely loyal and strong in character strong at heart and that's those qualities they make my home safe and you know i'm a nurturer so i'm able to provide for him in those ways so it was worth the wait right well hopefully that answers your question you know i definitely think that it can border the line between parent and child and you know jay might be able to describe a little bit about why he saw it more as just a responsibility um but you know the way that i kind of evolved and grew you know we we definitely have an equal relationship now i love it you know we're writing our um or changing up the business so he can write his book and i'm writing the workbook and you know it's awesome for me to be able to sit and listen to him and listen to his story and give him feedback so
if anybody's listening to this and you are in a relationship with somebody with BPD and you want to take that leap, you know, definitely reach out to Jay. He did it. You know, he was able to do that. So thanks again for the question. It really allowed me to reflect on what we've been through, Jay and I as a couple. So it's uh, awesome, an awesome question. And I appreciate your support. All right, this last question has to do with mindset coaching. What is mindset coaching? What's the difference between a therapist and a mindset coach? These are the biggest questions I get asked. And the second part is, do you take insurance and do you take Medicaid? Okay, or Medicare. I confuse those a lot. So anyway, um, the answer to the question, what is mindset coaching? Mindset coaching is a relationship that you have with a client that you can help them grow in every area of your life. Coaching is something that is positively charged, truth-driven, and goal-driven, goal-oriented. So I work with my clients to set goals for their future and when we walk towards those goals. Coaching and therapy definitely overlap. So I've definitely had sessions with folks where you know, there's honoring of feelings and there's, you know, holding in spaces and learning about things like containment, right? But one of the biggest differences is that in therapy, we're focusing solely on the past, whereas in coaching, we want to walk forward. And in a coaching relationship, I really, we develop a relationship where I get to know the people that I work with. You know, we have this open dialogue and, you know, I'm able to be there for them in a, in a way that allows me to help them in, in all areas of their life, not just in recovery, right? So I have people that come back and are still working through things, just growing. So mindset coaching, you know, is a, it's a different dynamic. It's a shift. It's me and you working together towards a goal. Therapy is focused on the past. And although they overlap, coaching is a power, strength-based service, right? It's a power, strength-based service. It's not for everyone. Definitely not because it, it, it does take a level of willingness. You want to have tenacity and drive because the, the, the mentality in coaching is that you are your own obstacle. So we're going to do things like take extreme responsibility, look at truths, break things down, have concrete tasks and exercises that you're given outside of sessions, right? So some things, again, overlapping with therapy, but mindset coaching, it's a different beast and it's a different dynamic. And mindset coaches are uh, something that people have, you know, either temporarily or for a lifetime. You know, I have people that I've seen for many, many years and, and it's wonderful to grow with them, to bounce ideas off of them, to help them come to their own conclusions and by playing up on their strengths. So those are the differences. You know, we don't take insurance and we don't take Medicaid because we only offer mindset coaching both internationally, excuse me, and nationally. So I, we're not taking insurance at this time. We do accept HSA cards for those organizations that take it. So that's another really common question that we get. And um, how do you book? So you can book with me right on our website, skeetersstrength.com. You can just click on schedule a session. It'll take you to my scheduling session. If you want to book with Jay, you can just send him an email, jay at skeeterstrength.com. Jay is also running a men's group that has a limited space. He's going to be coming on the podcast. He'll mention that next week, um, and he'll, you know, send out some information on that. So 
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of From Borderline and Beautiful. Okay, thanks for listening. That was From Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Skeeter's Strength Mindset Coaching Systems. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at skeetersstrength.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or any app you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. Next time on the show, we're going to continue our eating disorder series. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from last episode, so let's hear them. I'd love to hear whatever questions you have too. Just download that Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. So, if you like this podcast, not only can you download that Anchor app, but you can help us get this message out to so many more people. Head over to Apple and offer us that five-star rating and let me know what you're thinking about some of our material. The more stars and higher rating we get, the more people will have access to From Borderline to Beautiful, hope and help for individuals with BPD.